Hey guys, Pastor Jürgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. Hey, uh, today, the title of my message, actually, I'm going to read our scripture first. And I'll tell you what the title is because it's in the scripture. So we're going to go to Romans 5, verse 1 and 2. We'll do it on the big, uh, big screen over here, the big iPad. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, I'm just going to pause right there. Nothing about works. By faith. Yeah. By faith. Yeah. Okay, it's, it's important. By, the gospel is diluted when it requires you to earn your salvation. It's diluted. It's not the truth. It's by faith. In fact, the book of Romans is one of my favorite books in the Bible. I challenge you, if you struggle with that concept that you are forgiven and loved, not by performance, but you are forgiven and loved because God chose to love you and his grace is sufficient that what he did on the cross was total and complete, that you don't earn your salvation. If you struggle with that, just read the book of Romans. In fact, Paul makes such a strong argument in the first five chapters that when he gets to chapter six, he starts it off saying, by now, I'm assuming... You think that what I'm saying is you should just go sin all you want because you can't out-sin God's grace. That's literally how he starts chapter six. Go read it if you want, okay? You can, don't take my word for it. But that's how strongly Paul wants to address this idea that this grace is free, wow. that your performance does not dictate what Jesus has done for you, okay? We're gonna get more into that in a minute. But therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Because of our faith, reminds him again, <laughs> Christ has brought us into a place of undeserved privilege. I love that line, undeserved privilege, where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's Glory. Just those two verses alone will shatter a religious mindset. Just those two. Sharing God's glory, you know what a religious person would say? How dare you? How dare you say that you would share in God's glory? Listen, we, everything, when we get to heaven, we'll get these crowns where God will say, hey, well done, here you, I had a mission for you, you did it, you get the crown. The Bible says immediately your instinct will be to throw the crown on the ground because you're gonna be like, Jesus, you did all of it. What are you talking about? You know, but God is like that. He's just like, he's a good father. And I want my kids to share in the fun of life, share in the glory of life, right? And so he's the same way. He's a father. The title of my message today is called Undeserved Privilege. Undeserved Privilege. That's a word that's been thrown around lately, right? Privilege. So let me break the paradigm, okay? Absolutely, there's privilege. God intended all of his children to operate in privilege, and he's no favor of man. Boy, you guys are getting quiet. Privilege isn't a bad word. It's okay. Break the, break the CNN off you. Just release it. Release it. God intended you to have privilege. And you know what? The privilege has nothing to do with your social economic status. It has nothing to do with your background, what country you came from, how much melatonin's in your skin. It doesn't matter. The privilege is that if you're his child, he has privilege for you. And it's undeserved and it's unwarranted. And you know what's cool? It should make people go, what the heck? Yeah. People should look at your life and go, 
what the heck? Not mean, this doesn't have to be perfect. Don't fake it, right? In fact, it's often when they see you go through a thing, but you have the peace that people go, I wish I had that. I wish I carried that. I wish I operated that. You were meant to operate in undeserved privilege. This should cause us to reevaluate our lives. This should cause this privilege, and this is what Romans really is about. It says, because you have been totally set free, totally forgiven, totally restored, no matter how big the mistakes of the past, no matter how messed up you came into that relationship with Jesus, because you've been now given this undeserved privilege, it should cause you to reevaluate some things in your life. Anybody ever had to reevaluate the way you're doing something because it wasn't working? Anyone? Am I the only one? Only one? Okay, yeah, every day. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. <laughs> Are you still in your 20s, Chris? Yep, that was me in my 20s every day. Now I'm like, probably still every day, let's be honest. <laughs> but there are times you got to reevaluate the way you're doing things. Reevaluate. If you're operating out of fear, maybe we need to reevaluate the way you're operating out of life. If you're operating out of, the, out of the pressures of what other people think about you, maybe this verse should cause you to reevaluate the way you're looking at life. See, once you realize the privilege that you've been given in Jesus, it'll cause the, the natural. The Bible says, I believe in Hebrews 12 or Romans 12, I can't remember which one, but it says that the natural response to this grace is to surrender our life to Jesus. Yeah. It's just, it's the natural response to this state. I want to share a story of a time I had to reevaluate the way I was going about something, okay? Uh, and let, this is the part where I'm going to ask you not to judge, okay? <laughs> I had a failed engagement attempt with my wife. So it, I, got, I got back on the right thing, and she didn't say no because she never knew it was going to be an engagement attempt until <laughs> after I got engaged, and then I told her, yeah, that first one, that was actually me attempting to be engaged. So young 20s, not taking good counsel, not thinking, hmm, maybe the engagement should be wrapped around things that my wife likes. So that, that would be wisdom. I thought, I thought I was being pretty intentional on this first attempt because I asked her to date me in Santa Cruz, California, okay, on the beach, and I asked her to be my girlfriend. So I'm like, you know what? We're going back to that area. That's where I'm going to propose. And that's about as, yeah, Northern California. Some would say Central. I call it Northern California. It's Northern because there's only two parts of California. There's Southern and Northern. <laughs> this is a big debate with me and my wife. She always says we're from Central California. I'm like, there's no stickers anywhere that say Central Cal. <laughs> like, it's a thing. You, there's, a, there's a civil war in California. There's NorCal and SoCal. Anyways, let's not talk about communism right now. Let's talk about, um, <laughs> let's talk about my fair proposal. Okay. So, I say, we're going to go up. Now, mind you, I am a poor youth pastor and college student at this time. I'm making $400 a month. So I'm trying to figure out the right move, the right step. And I'm trying to make this cost effective, but also special. So instead of like, because it's a bit of a drive, it's a three or four hour trek, you know, and I want to do this at dinner. And so I'm like, well, I can't afford paying for two hotel rooms because we had dated four years and we had not had sex yet. Just want you to know it is possible if you're struggling with that and you think... And you think that it's impossible to say something. No, you can do it the way God intended you to do it. And it's a really good idea. Now, I'm also not like high and mighty. I, I have shared. I had struggles before. But I'm just saying it can be done. And if God, if God can do it with this knucklehead, he can do it with any one of you. So single people out here, you can do it. You can do it. Do it right. All right. Anyways. So 
I can't afford that. And I'm in my head. I'm like, okay, well, I don't want to be like driving all night, whatever. So I'm like, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go camping with two tents. Okay. And I'm going to go to my pastor and tell him what we're doing. So he doesn't think anything's not going wrong. And by the way, if you have to like go to your pastor to explain away how you're going to propose, that should have been red flag number one. Right? Because it was weird. Like, it is weird still. And we felt weird about it, but I was just ignoring all the signs. So that was mistake number one. So I find this campsite. It's about an hour from the beach where I proposed, but it's affordable because it's a campsite. So I pack up two tents and easy up, and we drive off to the campsite. First thing I didn't think about, my wife gets horribly carsick. Horribly. I mean, if it's not a perfectly straight road, if there's one turn, she's going to throw up. Okay? One turn. Okay? So for an hour and a half of the drive, she's carsick, miserably carsick. And we get about a mile from the campsite, and I kid you not, there's a tree falling in the road. And the guy goes, hey, can't go this way. You got to drive all the way back down this side of the mountain, go around to the other side of the mountain, and raise her back up the mountain and then go over it and come down the other way. So after being sick for an hour and a half, I take her another hour detour, razor backing up the back of a mountain on a, on a one lane road. Okay, so we get there, she's miserable, right? And then uh, I've got a picture of the campsite actually. Can we show the campsite guys? Oh, this is truth, okay? This is truth. Look at that. <laughs> I think I took this back then to prove that I had two tents. I was like, I'm gonna prove it. <laughs> Okay. The Taj Mahal, look at this. Wouldn't you want to be married like that? Okay, so we set up camp. I've got some pictures of us setting up camp. Another mistake, I let Lorraine set up her own tent. What am I doing? Look at it, poor girl. <laughs> I'll make her set up her own tent. Now pause right here. You notice how beautifully flat this ground is and how it's kind of like goes into this nice valley. I'll explain why that matters in a minute. All right, so we set up camp, and after go back to the camp, uh, just the picture camp, perfect. We set up camp, and at that moment, I realized I didn't bring food. Not anything, not water, not an ice chest, brought no food. So I have to look at my wife, who's very confused why we're camping, because we're not married, and just can't figure this out, and I go, um, we gotta drive back down that mountain and get some food. <laughs> So she's being gracious, but I can tell she's like, this guy's an idiot. And so we drive down the mountain. She gets car sick again. So we get there. We have to wait an hour, even though we're hungry, because she's just trying to recover from her car sickness. We have dinner. And after dinner, I realized, and we didn't go out. Like, I didn't make a reservation, guys. It wasn't a five-star restaurant, you know? It was like, I don't know, some hole-in-the-wall steakhouse. It might have been the Outback. I'm pretty sure it was. And so <laughs> I realized, I'm like, okay, this isn't going to work. Let's just go back to camp get some rest, regroup, and then tomorrow I'll take her to the beach, I'll find a place, I'll find a way. No planning, right? So we get back to camp, car sick again, hour up the mountain again, okay? We get to camp and we get in our tents and about an hour later, it's, just like, it's like God's like trying to tell me, stop, stop. Because about an hour later, the Lord sends rain missiles from heaven, to destroy tents. Like these were, these were plague level raindrops. I've never seen to this day raindrops this big. It was just a, it was like we were in a waterfall. And so I'm laying in the tent. I'm like, I don't even know if the tent's going to hold. I hope her tent holds. Uh, and so it's about two in the morning, three in the morning. And all of a sudden I hear this, Matt, Matt. I know it sounds like she's far, but she was really right next to me. You can see. 
but it seemed, she seemed far off. So I'm like, oh no, you know, I don't know what's going on. Maybe her tent's took on water. Anyways, I get dressed, get my raincoat on, go to her tent. She goes, I have to go to the bathroom. I'm like, I don't even know if they have bathrooms at this campsite. Like, so we get in the car at three in the morning, we're driving around, we find this little outhouse, just like a hole in the wall with a toilet seat on it. Like it's a hole in the floor, with toilet. it's just terrible. No lights. So literally, I, she's, I'm standing by the door, she's in this dark bathroom at three in the morning, it's pouring rain, and I'm just like, okay, tomorrow. I'm a very big optimist, by the way. I'm like, tomorrow, the romance is gonna hit. There'll probably be a rainbow. I, I, yeah, yeah, there'll be a rainbow from this rain. It's gonna be fine. And so I'm still talking myself in this. You got this, you got this. Man. I've got the ring in my pocket. I'm like, okay, okay, we're gonna do this. So we get back to the tents. I get her in her tent. I go to my tent, take off all my rain stuff. I lay down and I slap my hand down on the bed because I'm just like exhausted. And all of a sudden, splash. And I look and my tent is taking on water. I mean, we're like Titanic level. Like there's only minutes, there's minutes left before the tent. Because what I didn't realize, remember how I said how flat and nice this was? It's because it's a creek bed. We literally were camping where all the water wanted to flow. So I get my rain stuff back, I grab my bags, I throw them in the truck and I'm like, okay, I need to go tell Lorraine I'm sleeping in the truck because I took a, what? Yeah, I probably should have checked on her first, but I was just in the moment. So I go and I zip open her tent and she's beautiful. She's just laying on the air mattress, beautifully sleeping. I'm not exaggerating this. She's floating in the tent. She's on a, she's on a survival raft. She's just floating. Her bag is underwater and she's sleeping while floating in the tent. So I wake up, I'm like, babe, get to the ark. We're taking on water. It's biblical. <laughs> I mean, at this point, you can actually see the stream starting to come down our campsite. So she gets in the truck. It's about four in the morning. I'm like, first light, I'm breaking down. I'm breaking down the camp, okay? The tents are gone at this point. They're flooded. And even a little bit, I'm thinking maybe we can go to the beach and maybe the moment will be right. I'm still on my note, okay? So last part of the story, epic fail. This easy up right here has... When the light shows up, the tents are already swept away. They're gone. Okay, I've just thrown them in the truck. But that easy up has, see how it points up? It's now doing the same angle but pointing down, and it is filled with like 400 gallons of water. Okay, and it actually, I'd moved it under this table. So I had moved it over the table so we could eat at the table or whatever, even though I didn't bring food, but I moved it there. And uh, so it's collapsed, and it's got, I'm not kidding. Like, I, I've tried to lift the water out. I physically can't. It's so heavy. So I get this bright idea, I'll climb up on the table, get on all fours, and I'll just squat this water out of this thing because I stole that from the church, told you I was a youth pastor, and I couldn't afford a $50 replacement one. So I'm like, we're taking this thing home and I'm fixing it, I don't know how. So what you don't, if you've never used Easy Ups, what you don't, what you wanna remember is that they're just one big accordion. They fold. So the second I start to lift that water, the, the pegs come loose and the whole thing and collapses on me and pins me to the table. Pinned, I cannot get out. I'm screaming, Lorraine, save me, I'm dying. Like I'm being waterboarded, I'm underwater, but I'm not underwater. And, and she's in the car listening to Taylor Swift, just has her feet in the air with the heater on, doesn't even know what's going on. I yell, I yell. Then I remember I have a pocket knife in my pocket. So I grab my knife and I'm not exaggerating, I have to cut my way out 
open the water bladder, gets drenched in water, come out the top like Ace Ventura too. I'm like, <laughs> walk up to the truck, look like I'd just been swimming, learn, like looks at me, she's like, is it raining again? Like, <laughs> and it was at that moment I decided I need to reevaluate this proposal attempt. So she never knew I was gonna propose. We went back to Oakdale, three hour drive, didn't even go to the beach, went back to Oakdale. I grabbed, all, I grabbed a bunch of my buddies and we had a brainstorming session of how we're gonna propose, okay? I reevaluated the way I was going about something, okay? Now you're probably wondering, why did she marry him? <laughs> like, we said at the be- like we said at the beginning, God's power is real, undeserved privilege, okay? It's real. I did come back strong. I want you to know, I evaluated, I got some buddies involved. We had a whole thing. I took her to a five-star restaurant because she likes nice things. Walked her down to the beach, all dressed up, both of us. Friends buried a rose with a ribbon attached to it that carved a heart in the sand. So when she pulled up the rose, it started to make a heart. Into the heart, there's the wedding ring, pops out of sand, grab a knee, I do it right. Okay, I have a picture of that. There you go. That's how you do it. That's how you do it. And the only casualty in that proposal was a cute little girl that saw the rose before we got to the beach, and my friends scared her and yelled at her. They're like, don't touch that rose! <laughs> that was the only casualty. Hope she's okay. Anyways, undeserved privilege. God has given us an undeserved privilege, and not in the area of salvation, but in the area of walking out that privilege, it should cause us to reevaluate some things. Like, just like I had to reevaluate my proposal. I had to reevaluate the way I was going about it. I had to think differently. I had to think, what is she like, not what can I do? What, what, what can I afford? No, I'm not gonna think like that. I'm gonna think what, this is a moment, a special moment. And so privilege inspires a shift. So I wanna just go over a few privileges that we've been given in Jesus. First, the privilege of forgiveness. The privilege of forgiveness. If you're a person in this room that doesn't need forgiveness for anything, I'm sorry to say we're not gonna be good friends because I just can't relate. I'm human and I have made mistakes. And those mistakes have hurt people and cost people things. Those mistakes have, have cost me some things. And I'm so thankful for the privilege that Jesus does not hold my past against me, that I don't live in a scale of how much good I've done versus how much bad I've done, that he's broken that off me, that he's so radical in his forgiveness that the Bible says that once you've asked for forgiveness, he remembers it no more. So if last night you said, God, forgive me for that thought, forgive me for that thing I did, forgive me for the road rage I had, forgive me for what I looked at on the computer, whatever it is, whatever you ask forgiveness. You know, this morning, if you talk to him about it, he goes, what are we talking about? What are we talking about? My forgiveness has already been bestowed upon you. And that is a beautiful thing. Because I don't know about you, but I need a second chance at my proposal, and I think everybody needs a second chance at doing things the right way. Amen? Amen? Third chance, fourth chance. Let's go to Romans and talk about the forgiveness real quick. Is that in the Bible? Yes, it is. Romans 4, 5 through 8. But people are counted as righteous, not because of their work. Again, he goes on this topic. But people are counted as righteous, not because of their work, because of their faith in who God our faith in God who forgives sinners. Thank you, Jesus, for forgiving me. David also spoke of this when he described the happiness of those who declared righteous without working for it. Oh, what a joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sins are put out of sight. Yes, what joy to those whose record the Lord has cleared. 
cleared the record. Can I just tell you today, if you're operating out of shame or guilt of the past, you have the privilege of giving that to Jesus and being released. And you say, well, how can he release me? Because he made you. Just like if my kids do something wrong, nobody's going after my kids. They're coming after dad. He made you. He can forgive you. And he's chosen to forgive you. You just have to accept it. And that should change your orientation. That should change the way you live and the way you evaluate why you're doing what you're doing. Are you living to prove your worth to people? Are you living out of the fear of man because maybe you have a checkered past? Are you trying to show people that you've changed in your own strength? You don't got to get on that rat race. You don't got to be on that hamster wheel. God has given you the privilege of total, complete forgiveness. That's why the thief on the cross, he did no religious act to earn his salvation. He wasn't baptized. He didn't do anything. He just said, Jesus, will you remember me when you go to your kingdom? And Jesus said, I'll remember you. Nobody gets into heaven with sin. What does that mean? His sin was forgiven. His sin was forgiven because he looked to Jesus. Come on, what a privilege we have in Jesus, amen? (laughs) Privilege number two, we have the privilege of friendship. Romans 5.11, so now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. Listen, in our culture, that wouldn't sound super offensive, but back 2,000 years ago, especially in a Jewish culture, that is incredible, that would get you stoned. That's why you read that the Pharisees were trying to kill these guys. That's why all, these, all the apostles died martyrs' deaths is because that was offensive to say you could be on the level where God would be your friend. But that's what Jesus did. And just like any good friendship, the cool thing about having a friendship is that that means that that person wants to spend time with you, Right? Good friends, the reason you're good friends is you like each other's company. Can I tell you this? God doesn't tolerate you. He likes you. He's quite fond of you. It says in the Bible that he thinks only good thoughts towards you. Right? So you're fully forgiven and God likes you. That should reorient how you walk around. You know know what I'm talking about? Like, Have you ever been like recognized by someone semi-famous? Like you know them and you're like walking with them and you're like, I'm kind of (laughs) cool. You know, I mean, it happens, right? Like we're around cool people, you know, and you, you feel cool by association. That's the God of the universe. He enjoys your company. That should inspire us to cha- have, a, have a lifestyle shifted, spending time with God. You know, God does not want you to only get fed the word of God from Pastor Matt or one of our, our pastors or preachers here just on Sundays and Wednesdays. He doesn't want that. He wants this to be the the cake, the icing on the cake, the corporate gathering, but he wants you and him to have time together. You and him to read the Bible together, to pray together, not just throw up the laundry list prayer, God, I need this, 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 and this today, thank you. No, but actually sit down and try to listen and hear from him, and you know he'll speak to you. He'll speak to you. So we have friendship with God. What a privilege, undeserved. He gives us the privilege of grace. Now, grace is different from mercy, okay? Grace is not just you not getting what you deserve, but grace is you getting what you didn't deserve. Like, grace is that oomph to actually give you the power to accomplish what he wants in your life. The grace is where his power goes beyond what you're capable of, 
and, and it comes into your world, you'll find that when you ask Jesus into your heart, when you put your faith in him, there's this power that comes where you want to change. I remember I was six years old at a vacation Bible school. Any OG people in here? You know what I'm talking about? Vacation VB, let's go. Vacation Bible school. If you know, you know, okay? And I remember that I'll never, I don't know this lady. I, I want to meet her in heaven, but the, one of the kids' church workers was talking about Jesus. And I just remember asking her, how can I know if I'm going to go to heaven? She led me in a six-year-old prayer. And that was cool. That was really cool, right? But here's the crazy thing. The next day, I'm driving. I can remember this vividly. And all of a sudden, this need to tell my mom everything I've ever done wrong happened. I literally, for like 10 minutes, because I'm six, I haven't had a lot of time to sin, <laughs> you know, <laughs> probably haven't even really sinned, but just, I, I'm like, Mom, one time I took uh, my sister's Happy Meal toy, and this other time I did this, and, I, and one time I hit her, and I told you I didn't hit her, I just started confessing sin. No one told me to do that. It was, and it was like this, it, when Jesus came on me, I wanted to be different. And I was six. I didn't know what happened. Now, I tell you I got saved in high school because I had to do a reboot on that one. But I'm just saying, like, <laughs> the teenagers caught, caught me off guard a little bit. <laughs> but that, that's what I'm saying, that this grace will come on you. The Bible calls it being born again. A new nature will generate in your life. Now, you'll, have, you'll, you'll, you'll work that out because you still have that flesh side of you that's used to doing things a certain way. But you'll have a new nature. Okay, so we have the privilege of grace. We have the privilege of growth. The privilege of growth. Romans 5, 3 through 4 says this. <clears throat> we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials for we know that they help us develop endurance and endurance develops strength of character and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. Listen, God does not give shortcuts to his children on character. There's no spiritual gift of character. You can't pray for character. Character is the one thing that you and the Holy Spirit, that's why he calls, you, he calls himself the counselor. Your character is something you work out with the Lord. His privilege is there for you. His love is there for you. That's why you'll find if you stick around church long enough, somebody is gonna offend you. Somebody will. It might be me. I hope not, but it could already be me. Maybe you're in here and you're already offended. I don't know. But somebody will offend you because we're all on this journey. We got saved, but our character's being built. And some of us, we're just getting into this, okay? We were, we were buttheads before, and now we're, we're, we're working on it, okay? <laughs> Others of us, we've been working on it for a while, but the bottom line is, is that we're all in process. And that's what Romans 5 talks about, is that it's a process, that God works through you. It's a process. Trials, hardship. So many Christians, they get off the train too early when God's getting ready to do his finest work. Do you know the, the world-class wines, the best wines in the world, will come from a certain year, and the reason they'll be good is that year was tough on the grapes. The tougher the year was on the grapes, the harder the skin gets. And that skin creates the nutrients, and the grapes work really hard to get the nutrients, so they get all, they work really hard, and they produce the finest wines. Do you know that sometimes God will allow things to come into your world because he's doing a deep work on the character? And so many people think, if I change the exterior, I'll feel better. 
It's like Christian 101. Oh, it's getting hard at church. I'm having to deal with my stuff. And I've told a few people, now I feel exposed. I'll just go find another church. Well, guess what? You got to start the process all over again. You're just extending the pain. You probably heard this before, but uh, buffalo and cows respond to storms differently. When, when there's a storm and there's thunder and lightning, cows run the other way. But the problem is if the storm's coming at you, they stay in the storm longer because they're running with the storm. Buffalo get angry and run at the storm. I like buffalo. And this is true because I've approached a buffalo and it did tell me it wasn't going to happen. Pastor Scott saw it. Okay, They are not like cows. They don't back down. They don't give up an inch. They charge you. Okay. <laughs> We've got footage of it. But the point is this, is that as a Christian, God wants to get a little grit in you. Not because he wants your life to be terrible. See, pain is a doorway to the blessing God has for you. It's not a living room. Too many Christians, they stay there and just say, well, I guess this is God's will that I'm in this pain. No, 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 it's God's will that this pain makes something out of you. That it's a doorway into the next blessing he has for you. When painful things come my way, I have oriented, I have changed my thought. This is the truth. When pain comes my way, I'm not saying I don't waver and get fearful sometimes, but when pain or hardship comes my way, when financial hardship comes my way, when things come my way, I have learned with enough character development now that God, what do you want me to get out of this? Because you're good and your protection is good. And if you allowed this through the protection, then I can overcome and I will walk through this thing because pain is a doorway. It's not a living room. Too many Christians settle for it being a living room. And then if it gets too hard, they think if I change the exterior, it'll change my spouse. I change my church. I change my job. I change where I live. But here's the problem. You go wherever you go. And let's be honest. I wish I could say that the devil, you know, is the reason for most of the things that go wrong in my life. If I was honest, I'm still in process. It's when I look in the mirror, I'm like, you, you're the problem. As the prophet Taylor Swift said, it's me, me. Anyways, that was horrible. I'm sorry. She's not a prophet. I'm the problem. So don't skip the process. Let God do his finest work in you. And well, Pastor Matt, how do you do that? How do you do that? I'm hurting right now. My marriage is hard. When I park in the driveway, I dread going inside. You pray. You go back to the privilege of being God's friend. Who here calls a friend when you're having a bad day? Anyone? Anyone? Hopefully you do. Only a couple of you. Okay. We need, you need to be, if you didn't raise your hand, you need to be in a connect group. Because I have friends. I have friends that I call. And I have friends that call me. Remember a text from, you know, I'm the pastor, but Scott Travis sent me a text. Hey, man, just want to see how you're doing. You were on my heart. You know what that means? Have a person do that? And I told him, you know, that's a trusted person. I said, yeah, I'd love to get coffee. Let's talk. Because I was going through a thing. Anyways, walk, walk through the process. Let God have his way. Okay, two more. The privilege of healing. Romans 8, 11 says that the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies for the same spirit, for the same spirit is living within you. Isaiah 53, 5, talking about Jesus. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. Why 
You know, that wasn't, that, that, that wasn't common. Romans didn't do, you either got whipped or crucified. They didn't do both. So why did God allow that? Because there's, there's a package deal in there. Jesus says, the Bible says, by his stripes, you are healed. That's why we pray for miracles. We don't lower our expectation. That makes me so sad what you shared, Ted, around offering that there's pastors saying, the gospel is not a matter of words, but of power. There is power. We see it happen. And I would rather risk praying for someone and, see, and risk it not happening than risk not seeing a miracle at all. Because 100% the people I don't pray for aren't going to get healed. And we see miracles happen. You, as his church, have the privilege of healing. And so many people think they got to earn their healing. How many times does Paul have to say it? Read the book of Romans. See how many times Paul says the salvation is not attached to performance. We reorient our life because we're loved, not to be loved. And finally, we have the privilege of purpose. I don't know why, but as I was preparing this message, this, I felt the Holy Spirit on this, and I know there's people in here that you need to hear this. So if you haven't been listening to me or you've been on your phone or whatever, just pill, look up for one minute. I know I can be long-winded, but you need to hear this. You have the privilege of purpose. God has a plan for your life. He has a plan for you. And I felt the Holy Spirit say a lot of people they can believe that for other people, but they have the hardest time believing it for themselves. Ephesians 2, 9 and 10 says this. Salvation is not a reward. Huh, brings it up again. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done. So none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. Now, if you look up the definition of we in the Greek here, it means we. It means everyone. Okay? Just want you guys to know that. Deep thoughts, there you go. My hermeneutics are on point. But we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Friend, if you're in here and you don't believe that God has a plan for you, this is your wake-up call. What a privilege that God has planned good things for you ahead of time. Ahead of time. Well, it's been, I, I didn't know this in the past, and now, no. No, it's never too late. It's never too late to step into God's purpose for your life. You're his masterpiece. He wants to create what he already put inside you. And because of the grace and the love and the privilege of Jesus choosing you, he can do it. He can do it. All you gotta do is say, I'm in. I'll partner with you. 2 Corinthians 2.9 says this. That is what the scriptures say when, you guys got that up here? That is what the scriptures mean when they say, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who, who love him. If I would have known what God was gonna do in my life and how he was gonna bless me when I was 14 and I gave my life to him for real, or I understood what I was doing, oh man, I would have ran to that altar. It hasn't always been easy, but it's been good. 
It's been epic. Today, God wants to welcome you into his privilege. As I said before, it's not a religious thing. It's a relationship thing. It's how you orient your life. Will you look to Jesus, the God, the true God, who became man, put on flesh, lived a life just like us, understands our flesh, our struggles. He got tired, he got hungry, he got hangry, I believe. He understood what it was like to be human and then gave that perfect life as a sacrifice and an exchange for our imperfect life. And for two, don't let mainstream media and the spirit of this world lie to you. For 2,000 years, the world has been getting better and better because the gospel has been changing civilizations and people. I'm telling you, the world would have you think that religion is ruining things. The further we've gotten away from God, just look at the state of things. The further we get away from God, the more messed up and jacked up things get. Same, true for civilization, true for an individual. Romans makes it very clear that it's Jesus' will that none should not be in relation. No one should not have a relationship with him. No one. I'm gonna have everybody bow their head and close their eyes. I'm gonna pray for two groups. The first group I wanna pray for is people that you came in here and you forgot or you don't, didn't even know that God has a purpose for you. And you've heard of Jesus, but you don't know him. Friends, I'm, the cool thing, the true thing, the real thing is that He's not still on that cross and he's not still on the tomb. He got up. And his Holy Spirit is available to you and you can have a relationship with him. He has plans for you. He wants to use you. But like I had to replan my proposal, maybe you need to reorient. Reorient what you're going for. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior and as a friend, if you don't have a relationship with him, or maybe you once did, but if you were honest, you're coming in here and you're like, I totally took the steering wheel back in my own life. I am driving this thing and I don't even know where God is. Friend, I believe today he wants to remind you he has a purpose for you and he wants you to come to him. So if that's you, I'm gonna say a prayer in a minute with everyone's head bowed and eyes closed, but just between you and God, if that's you and you wanna be included in this prayer, it's not, it's not my magic words, it's your decision. But if you're saying, you know what, Jesus, I want you. I want this relationship with you. I wanna experience you, or I wanna come back to you. Would you just put your hand there real quick? Once I've seen you, you can put it down, but I wanna know who I'm praying for. Thank you, I see that hand. Anyone else? Thank you, I see that hand. I'm so proud of you. I think there's one person in here, you wanna raise your hand, but you're having a hard time believing because you were hurt by church people in the past. Thank you, I see that hand. You were hurt by church people. And somebody gave Jesus a bad name in your book. But you'll find that he's way different than, that, than those people. Who's that person? Thank you, Jesus. Awesome, awesome. You guys can all look up at me. Listen, we're, I'm gonna lead us in a prayer. We're all gonna say this prayer out loud. If you raised your hand, I want you to repeat this prayer after me, but just mean it from your heart. 
Like I said, it's not the magic words. It's your faith in Jesus. It's your faith that he died on that cross for you. He died on that cross for you so you could be forgiven. And now you can feel the love of your heavenly father and operate in it and begin to explore what it looks like. Reorient your life. Stand to your feet real quick. We're gonna pray this out loud. If you raise your hand, you mean it from your heart. Here we go. Dear Jesus, I think the 10 a.m. can do better than that. Dear Jesus, this morning, I surrender to your love. Come into my life. Let me see you, feel you, and know you. I put my faith in what you did on that cross. I believe you died for my sins. I turn away from those, and I wanna follow you now. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for healing me. Thank you for washing me clean. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and give me the power to follow you and find the purpose that you have planned for me. In Jesus' name, the church said, amen, amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.